You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, Episode 70. This week's artist, Garth Brooks. To Royal Garth Brooks, truly changed country music. Starting in bars outside of Oklahoma State University, Garth made his way to Nashville on a second try. He struggled as a songwriter and boot salesman until he got his big break, replacing Ralph Murphy at the Bluebird Cafe. He caught the attention of Capitol Records, who was there to see Ralph. The rest is history. He brought rock shows to country, introduced the genre to millions of new fans, and in the process, became America's top-selling solo artist of all time, with 36 top 10 hits, 19 country number ones. It's time to dig into his music with your hosts, Rob Heitman, Keyboarder Supreme, Jason Weck, and returning to the cast, giving a much-needed feminine perspective, country superfan and Army veteran, Gina Collins. Hey, welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, but we rank the Dirty Dozen or Top 12 Garth Brooks songs while discussing his music and pounding back a few brews. I'm Rob. I'm Jason. And I'm Gina. Hey, welcome back, Gina. It's been a while. Thank you. Gina did Five Finger Death Punch with us. I think it was the last artist we did last season before we went into the 90s. It was, yes. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. So I'd like to thank everybody who's been active and joining in on conversations on our Facebook page. We're doing something new this week. As many of you know, we took suggestions for this season's artists and Garth won the country category. On Facebook, Troy Smith requested Garth Brooks, so I asked him if he wanted to send me a list. And guess what? He did. I've included his list in the cast for this week as our fourth list representing you, our listeners. Thank you, Troy. If anybody ever wants to create a list for upcoming podcast, don't just keep sending me 12s, but talk to me first. Email me at rob at dirtydozenpodcast.com. So that's pretty easy to remember. We are looking forward to more of the community getting involved in the cast and I love watching all you guys vote and be in in that mode. It's really it's really a lot of fun and comment and oh, it's fun. So Gina. Yes. When did you first hear about Garth? Way back in the 90s, my aunt who raised me was very into country music and she'd be playing it in the car on the way to school, on the way to appointments, anywhere. We'd listen to a lot of country music. And so this was around early 90s, 93, 94, 95, around that time. And Garth was actually the very first concert I ever went to, I want to say in 96. Well, that's great. Yeah, he's, he's amazing live. Right. It was at the Great Western Forum, which is now just the Forum. A very exciting time. And he's just a really amazing performer. Just really gets the crowd involved. And he's jumping around, dancing around the stage from one end to the next. Such a high energy with him. Yeah, I think I've seen him five times. Wow, nice. Five, five or six. The best thing I saw, I saw him in Vegas. He did that thing at the Wynn, 2012 or so. It's him with an acoustic guitar in front of like thousand people maybe for two and a half hours by himself that's incredible he brought trisha up for one song they sang together and he was just up there playing with no notes no nothing he's just off the top of his head talking wow Wow. well i'm sure he rehearsed it yeah he wasn't reading anything and you know just complete singer songwriter deal that's awesome incredible i remember watching the first tv special for him and i was just blown away oh my gosh and then i was like immediately getting tickets for him and I was not a country person at all. I was a metal rock type of guy, but he just hit me in the spot where I liked his music. I kind of got it. And he was my intro, and I think for so many people, the introduction to the world of country. Yeah, absolutely. He's got such a wide array of sound to his music, a lot of rock inspiration. Well, he was a big fan of Kiss, so that's awesome. And Right. He did Hard Luck Woman with Kiss. 
Oh, I don't think I saw that. And they released it. It was on Kiss My Ass, which was a tribute to Kiss, where they had all these artists play Kiss's song. Oh, okay. And Garth said, I don't want to bring my band in on this. Can I just have you guys play it? So he was the only artist who played with actually Kiss backing him up. Oh, that's that's, that's awesome. cool. Let's just give you a quick taste of that. It's time I start walking back to so much that you never know. Anyway, Jason, what about you? So my first introduction to Garth was probably 2000, 2001. I was 16. I received as a gift the limited edition box set, or I think it's the first box set. Oh, wow. So it's a lot to get at once. Yeah. So the first six (laughs) albums, right? And from that point on, I was just absolutely hooked. I mean, I listened to those albums in my little CD Walkman with fuzzy headphones over your ears. and I just listened to them front to back, back to front, over and over and over again. It was incredible. It was really my introduction to country music, like many people. Yeah. But I knew right off the bat that Garth was not pure country. Like he was country, but he had enough exploration, enough of a twist to it to make it palatable to people who weren't just born and raised on country music. Yeah, he definitely touches rock and pop and and all of that, really, depending on what song you're talking about. Even some bluesy stuff for some of his tracks. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about storytelling with country music, right? And the stories were really what hooked me. That and how much piano was in his music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I, I liked it despite that. (laughs) (laughs) We've heard that Garth has done occasionally some wild things. Chris Gaines playing baseball with San Diego Padres, doing some weird stuff, right? Have you heard of Garth's psychedelic revival band? No. Nope. The electronic gumdrop song? No. No. Okay, let me play that for you a minute. Hold on. (laughs) See, I think he missed his calling. I think so. <laughs> I think it's Garth Brooks does the doors. That was something else. <laughs> <laughs> it was Garth Brooks from a SNL monologue. He went and he's like, I'm so glad I'm playing SNL finally. But I remember when I was young, I had this band called the Psychedelic Revival Band. And we had the electronic gumdrop song. And I've always wanted to play it. And then all of a sudden you see him switch and they put like a, a poncho on him. He has this long blonde hair oh, and he no. wears like the glasses <laughs> and he has a guitar and he starts singing through it. Anyway, it's one of the funniest things I've seen. I figured it would be kind of fun to put it to y'all <laughs> without you knowing it was good. But check that out. Look for SNL Garth Brooks monologue and you'll see the whole thing. It's a that's, lot of fun. That's too cool. I'll put a that link is. in our show notes. So y'all can check that out. Join me in a belt of scotch. It's 9.30 in the morning. Yeah, but I haven't slept in days. Okay, what are we drinking today? Well, right now I'm drinking a Malibu cocktail pina colada in a can, pre-mixed by your folks at Malibu. And thank you, Gina, for bringing this forward. My boyfriend absolutely insisted that I show up with two pina coladas, one <laughs> well, in each hand. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a song or something? <laughs> that rumor has it. I mean, rumor has it. And uh, we also have, I didn't have long neck bottles, but I had neck bottles. <laughs> so we have Firestone Walker 805 Lager. You can find it almost anywhere. And everybody has a sample afterward. Bud Light came out with this new beer and I'm on a low carb diet. So it's called Next. And the thing about it, it has zero carbs. 
Nice. So it still has calories, but, <laughs> it's like, but it's zero carbs. And it tastes like a Bud Light. So it's deep and rich like the Bud Light you're used to. That's right. <laughs> or something like that. Well, maybe not deep and rich, but it tastes like beer. That's right. <laughs> All right. Before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing the songs. We'll share around 20 seconds of each tune, unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight. Then we may do a second clip. Since Garth Brooks is only available on Amazon Music, we have made an Amazon Music playlist. Just search Official Dirty Dozen on Amazon Music to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. This way, all the money for playing tunes will always head back to Garth Brooks. The way this works is we count down the songs from 12 to 1 from our Official Dirty Dozen, which is calculated from each of our individual lists, including Troy Smith's submission for the first time ever representing you our listeners before we get going with the list we'll each discuss a song that wouldn't be in our top 12 but we'd still like to discuss we call this our song of note let's get this moving jason what is your song of note so my song of note is going to be off of the scarecrow album (laughs) and exactly And, and i have to be honest this was actually harder for me to pick a song of note than it was for me to pick a top 12. Okay. Because usually when I pick songs on note, I like to do something that's a little more eclectic, something that... A deeper cut. A deeper cut, a super deep cut. But the problem was that this song kept showing up at number 12, and then it was number 13, and I just didn't feel good about doing a podcast without including it. The song is called Squeeze Me In. It's a duet between Garth and Trisha. Okay. This is just an incredible blues song, great guitar intro, followed by... The piano blues, a lot of piano in the song, which is kind of why I like it. I'll, I'll be honest. It's funny. This is my note. It said, starts with a guitar, Phil, but quickly ruined by the piano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, this is a song where the guitars take the back seat and the piano gets to shine. And it's a great piano organ compilation. Love the staccato organ hits. One of the interesting things I noticed, too, was that the song modulates in the second verse, but there's a complete stop. So Trisha actually has to hit the note in the new key without any lead in whatsoever. And she has to do it acapella. And she does. And it's great. Love the syncopating phrasing at the end of the chorus. The the lyrics, again, we're talking about storytelling, right? So we're telling a story about all of us, right? Who are finding competing challenges, competing interests in our lives and trying to balance them and trying to make sure we prioritize the important things. So there you go. The thing I like about this, actually, is Trisha, when she sings, she does sidetracked the, the way she said sidetracked yes. in there it's so good <laughs> yeah. what do you think Gina? um squeeze me in is really fun and the fact that it's a duet i really just enjoy the way their voices blend together she's mm. trisha did so many backup vocals on so many of his other songs a lot of his early work too just their voices blend so well together and i just love that yeah no this is good and let's listen to squeeze me in jason's song of note off of Scarecrow. Don't know what he's talking about. You got me working around the clock. Honey, try to figure you out. How time is money. There's more to life, honey, than how much you can spend. You gotta make a little time for the good time. Honey, can you squeeze me in? Okay, that was squeezing me in. Jason's song of note. Off of the Scarecrow album. My favorite villain from Batman, too. All right, (laughs) Gina, what's your song of note? My song of note is Wild Horses off the No Fences album. Oh, wow. Great song. Um, I think No Fences was the first album that I actually bought of Garth. And this is one of his rodeo songs. He has so many songs about rodeos, but... This one in particular always stuck with me because I have attached a lot of sentimental value to it. I don't very often talk about this, but... 
when I was a kid, my mom was dating a man who just like her was in the LAPD, but his hobby was rodeo. And so I can remember going to rodeos to watch him. And there was one time where he got really injured. I can't remember if it was a bull or a bronco, but it stomped on and broke his collarbone. Oh, gosh. So luckily I wasn't there to witness it, but I can remember my mom just really wanted him to stop because, you know, at some point a sport that dangerous is going to kill you like many others. But anyway, I mentioned before the last show I was on that my mom passed in 91 and this song came out on his 90 album, No Fences. And I don't think I actually heard this song for the first time until I bought the album a couple of years later after her death. Sure. But the first time I heard it, I just lost it because that first line in the song is from a phone booth in Cheyenne. I made a promise to Diane. And my mom's name was Diane. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So So it was written for you. Right. And I had my little junior high brain was, oh, my gosh, somebody knows a story and somebody wrote this about my mom. You know, Wow. (laughs) Probably not the case. I don't think so. But for me, that's why it's my song. And that's a good reason. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I was like, oh, that's a good song. I was like, oh, I'm surprised it was on there. But I was like, oh, now it makes sense. Totally. And you guys know my daughter, Diane. She's named after my mom. (laughs) Yeah, right. I like the song. It's a good song. It's like the fiddle is good. The chorus is definitely catchy. And you know what I appreciate it was Trisha Yearwood's background vocals on this yes. one. Mm. Yeah. More than some of the other ones. It came together. And I know she says that they kind of blend together a little bit. But I heard her really clear. I, yeah. One of the good things about Amazon Music is it's HD. Mm-hmm. So it's this new hi-fi stuff. And you can hear a lot like you're listening to a CD, not necessarily like you're listening to a, a compressed file, say, on Spotify. This isn't a rip on Spotify. But that was pretty cool. Yeah, when she comes in and the chorus, there's a greater scale difference between the note she's singing and the note that Garth is singing versus some of the other songs. So you can actually really separate the two notes a little more clearly. And he's not singing through his nasal voice at that point. Just in terms of the timbre, there's just so much difference and you can really hear her melody coming out, which is it's beautiful. It is. Yeah. Let's listen to Gina's song of note while the horses off of that obscure Garth Brooks album called No Fences. Let's listen. This feels like a classic traditional country song. It is. It's it's really that way. Yeah. Though with you know the the open on the hits on the snare and just the you know and the fiddle right off the front. Yeah. Right. Leading right in. Got big open strums on the acoustic. And you got the alternating fifths on the bass. So yeah. Yeah. Boom. 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 I'm gonna win someday. Wild horses just stay wild And her heart is all I pray Wild horses keep dragging me away That was Gina's song, Wild Horses. All right, let's move over. Actually, my next song is not by Garth Brooks. Uh, My song of note is by a gentleman named Chris Gaines. Oh, perfect. (laughs) I remember the album coming out, and I have it. I bought the CD, and of course, I bought everything that had Garth on mm-hmm. it at all and i didn't hate it i mean i understand that if you look at it from a five thousand foot view <laughs> that this dude's nuts what was it they used to say garth brooks on the streets chris gaines in the sheets right <laughs> <laughs> they actually said that <laughs> yes they must have oh, and, uh, Lord. <laughs> but, but uh chris gaines the whole idea was his production company red strokes went to develop this movie called the lamb garth was going to be the main role which is this chris gaines fellow 
So they wanted to release the album a year before the movie comes out to build the buzz. Mm-hmm. And when it came out, everybody wants to see it. And let's go see it. And the movie never came out. And Garth looked like an idiot. Right. But the, I very much remember that. The real weird thing is you can't stream it. And I was kind of upset. Like, you can only stream some dude doing a cover of no matter where, even on Amazon. Mm. Because Garth, I think, is still embarrassed by this. And he shouldn't be because no. there's a lot of good songs on that album. Some don't sound like Garth at all. But they're still a good song. It's not quite the electronic gumdrop song. <laughs> but it's really good. It was such an interesting period. Wait, I forgot to tell you what song it was. <laughs> That's the way I remember it is the song I'm going to go with. Because it's the first song on the album and it's the one I remember. Simple dry guitar on the intro and then it turns into a much more polished pop song. I like the shuffle and the drums. The intensity comes through on the pre and the chorus is just so catchy. The organ breakdown in lieu of the bridge is really kind of mm-hmm. cool. And uh, the background vocals really lift this song up. Have you two heard the song at all? Not me. I remember when the Chris Gaines project began, and I remember feeling very confused. What is this? What is he doing? This is not Garth Brooks. <laughs> and at the time, I didn't realize that it was a setup for this movie that ended up not coming out. I just thought Garth Brooks was going through some really bad midlife crisis (laughs) and what the heck. (laughs) He already conquered country music. So what else is there? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it was the exact opposite. When this album came out, I got it from my library and I loved it. And I had no idea it was Garth Brooks. I honestly thought there was some other guy and I kept seeing Garth Brooks' name on there. It was after I'd gotten my album set. I'm going, okay, once again, I'm going to get everything that I can find on Garth Brooks. This doesn't sound like him, but it was so cool. The, the complete pop sound. I love the the finger-picked guitar, but not with the, the actual picks, but with the, the skin of the fingers, because it creates a tone on the strings that's just really melodic and is very, very cool. So I actually liked all the songs off that album, and I'm really glad you picked it as your song of note, because that was one of the ones that I wanted to pick, too. And I ended up getting bumped off for the song with too much piano. But no, great, <laughs> great pick. So. Okay, let's listen to my song of note, That's the Way I Remember It, off of In the Life of Chris Gaines by Garth Brooks. Here we go. My heart and soul This is the way The story Has to be told That's the way I remember it I remember it That way Okay, that's the way I remember it My song of note Off of In the Life of Chris Gaines And now it's time For the main event And now it's time for the main event. Whoa, we're back into the real Dirty Dozen. So let's jump into number 12. This was on three of our lists. Three. At number 12. Yes, but not us three. (laughs) (laughs) This is Troy's number 12, and he's representing all of our listeners. It was my number 11. This is Jason. Uh, You didn't put it on your list. And this was Gina's number 10. So, Gina, you can start talking about this one. This is off of Roping the Wind. And it's what she's doing now. Okay. What she's doing now is a really great song. I think it's really great in terms of storytelling with Garth Brooks and country music. It's all about the storytelling. So, um, and the guitar. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. And uh, absolutely the instruments. Or lack of piano, which works together. <laughs> <laughs> Without that, it's not country. But yeah, I really liked this song and I liked the um, the contrast in the lyrics from him wondering what she's doing now. And also what she's doing now is tearing me apart. What I didn't know about this is that he originally wrote this for Crystal Gale, who recorded it in 89. She didn't release it as a single, but it did come out on one of her albums. And she's saying what he's doing now. What he's to, doing now, yes. Fair, yeah. <laughs> I love the beautiful piano intro, believe mm-hmm. it or not. <laughs> Shocker. He touches that universal feeling of reminiscing about a love lost mm-hmm. in your life. The verse and the chorus work together, and to your point, he tells the story so well. Well, country lyricists are great with language, and that's one of the most fun things that I found about country music is just the, the way that they play with words. They play with the words to evoke that emotional response. Yes. Or invoke it. Or they could invoke it, too. <laughs> I am doing an invocation. <laughs> what she's doing now. So let's play What She's Doing Now, our number 12 off of Rope in the Wind. Let's take a listen. Very brave of you to admit that you like the piano intro. I do, yeah. <laughs> the piano, I think, believe it or not, even though I was, I tease, tease you, but the piano in Garth Brooks makes and breaks a lot of the songs. Yep. Yeah. Last time I saw it was turning colder. And during a period when country really was that, you know, focus on the acoustic guitar and then the the one five bass rhythms, you know, Hank Williams Jr., that sort of concept. That was what really drew me to Garth Brooks, which was the, the uniqueness of letting other instruments take that that forefront in, in a country music. what she's doing now is tearing me apart. That was our number 12, What She's Doing Now, off of Rope in the Wind. So let's run to number 11. And this only two of us had on our list. How is this possible? But it's not on my list. It's not on Jason's list. It's on Gina's list. And it's on Troy's list. And you both had it at number seven. Troy can't talk about it, so I think we're going to have Gina talk about it. This is off of Garth Brooks' debut album. It's called If Tomorrow Never Comes. Yes, this was his first number one hit. Second single released. So I think that's a testament to his songwriting ability, his performing ability to have your second single go to number one, especially back in the 90s. Tomorrow Never Comes is one of those songs that speaks to so many people because of the message behind it. If Tomorrow Never Comes, does that person that I share my life with know how much that I cared about them? Do they know that I loved them? And it works with not only girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, but it also works with your family. Your mm-hmm. children, or your, children your parents, and, and yeah. yeah. Best friends. Everything, you know? yeah. Yeah. And so it's important to give messages like that through your songs, your lyrics, and just letting people know that fame and fortune and money and all that is not what matters. If tomorrow never comes, what's left? What legacy did you leave? And did you let people know that you cared about them? I just really love the song. I think the musical quality is great. It's another ballad, but it's just really beautiful. And I remember the video was more about a father and his daughter. Yes. But Garth said, it's about this guy who wants to make sure that his wife knows that if something happens to him, that he did love her. Yeah. Powerful message. Again, going back to country music songwriting, it's 
awesome to hear the purity in some of these messages too, and actually bringing you back to what's really important in life. Yeah. So much music is rebellious, right? It talks about rebellion and people will get there eventually today. Who knows? But to have something like this come along and just really speak to the heart of every person, because no matter who you are at some point in your life, you deeply care about somebody. And this song is for every single person out there. So let's listen to If Tomorrow Never Comes off of his debut album, Garth Brooks. Back in 1989, it's our number 11. If tomorrow never comes Will she know how much I loved her? Did I try in every way to show her every day that she... That was If Tomorrow Never Comes off of the Garth Brooks album back in 1989, our number 11. So let's move to number 10. This is on only two people's list again. This is on it's not on mine it's not on jason's oh wait it is on mine and it is on jason's and everybody else got it wrong and we're going to stick with the garth brooks 1989 album his first single is what jason and i went with and it was our number six for both of us no kidding yeah it's much too young to feel this damn old and i'll let you take the lead my friend sweet peaceful guitar picking opening the violin sneaks in nice rim shots on the snare as we're going through it Love that line, all my cards are on the table with no ace left in the hole. And one of the reasons I enjoyed the song so much was there were just times, and no matter how old I was, where I was just completely whooped from life. There was just so much stuff going on. And this song would always come back into my head. I'm like, I am too young to feel this old. This is ridiculous. (laughs) So one of my all-time favorites, and I had to put it on there. Yeah, I said, unfortunately, the truth about aging, I feel this way every day. But it becomes less and less true every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's an incorrect statement. You really are this old. Oh, yeah, I know. It's crazy. One of the co-writers, Randy Taylor, Randy Taylor and Garth Brooks wrote this song. And he actually named a boat that he had much too young. Oh, nice. Because he, he made so much money. Nice. <laughs> it's one of those staples that Garth Brooks plays probably till today. It's, it's going to show up in every concert. Yeah. We were talking before how he's a songwriter. It was actually written to pitch to George Strait. Oh, really? And George Strait said no. (laughs) Right, because he already had like the Amarillo by Morning, which is kind of the same feel for the song. So, And you know who else made out like a bandit from the song? Chris Ledoux. Yes. Because nobody knew who Chris Ledoux was and Garth didn't even know. Randy Taylor, the other co-writer, turned him on to it. It's like, no, 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 he's amazing. And then Garth started listening to him then that line was in there and it stayed in there because it made sense to Garth at that point. Yeah, because they drove around in, in Oklahoma in a truck listening to worn out tapes of Chris Ledoux. <laughs> he died, I think, at 2005. This is Chris Ledoux. Hmm. But when the song became a hit, it was like his career was back. So if you're a Garth fan at all, you know much too young because he played it at every show, I think, in his life. Yeah. It's on every Greatest Hits album. It's on the live albums. It's on everything. It's this. I think at Garth Brooks, I think of this song. Yep. You know, I originally I well, did one have of the this. songs. I think it's a couple. But yeah, <laughs> I did originally have this song on my list, but it got bumped. No, I understand totally. Yeah. All right, let's listen to our number ten. Much too young to feel this damn old. And the white line's getting longer, and the saddle's getting colder. Now I'm much too young to feel this damn old. Oh, 
Okay, that was Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Old off of the Garth Brooks debut album. One of the staples of the Garth Brooks catalog for sure. Now, number nine is not on my list, so I'm sad. And it was not on Troy's list, so he's sad somewhere listening. <laughs> Billy Joel is happy <laughs> because it's Jason's number two, it's Gina's number 11, and it's our number nine, Shameless, off of Roping the Wind. So, Jason, obviously, this is in your top three, so go for it, my friend. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the songs that when I was first listening to the albums, I just latched into. I, I honestly had no idea that it was a Billy Joel song. I consider myself a follower of Billy Joel, but not that deeply a follower, apparently, because I didn't know. You haven't read the tome. You haven't done the... the <laughs> no. <laughs> I have not paid homage. Yet. <laughs> you said you're a follower. Yes. Oh, More oh, of a follower or a fan. Uptown girl. <laughs> But, you know, who did pay homage to Billy Joel was Garth Brooks. Yeah, I mean, the way he covered the song was deeply respectful, I thought, when I listened to the two of them back to back. The vocals were incredibly accurate. The thing that was strange to me was that Garth Brooks's rendition was way more piano forward than Billy Joel's rendition. That was bizarre to me. But I love the vocal emotion. The guitar solo is great. That's big of me to say a guitar solo is great. So there you go. One back at you, Rob. Guitar solos are always great. <laughs> but no, I get Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting that you were saying about Billy Joel. Billy Joel was always grateful to Garth for introducing country fans to his music. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of country fans who didn't know Billy Joel and didn't know this song was Billy Joel. But the fact that Garth covered it and then he brought him on stage at like Shea and a bunch of other places. And I think he did this at Central Park, too. Yes, he did. There's clearly a mutual respect because Garth wrote, I don't think, one of the greatest hit album jackets that he was a big Billy Joel fan. He really liked the album Stormfront. My personal opinion, the song was actually made for Garth. I think it, it fits his vocal style. I think it fits his delivery. And that's why, for me, it was so high. No, I totally get it. I love this version, but I heard Billy Joel's first. So after that, I kind of think of it as a cover, just because of the order I heard right. it in, right? Right. So I have a hard time putting it on my list just for that. And I think that's why I didn't make my list. The pedal steel is awesome, though. Mm -hmm. And I love his vocal inflection on the word shameless in the chorus. Yes. Yes. I'm shameless. Shameless. It's awesome. And the grit and the vibrato of Garth's vocal is just solid. And the background singers really step forward in this. Mm -hmm. And the tone of the guitar, the Timmy pedal, which he's probably using, is really sounding amazing because it has that sort of vibe. Great tune. Yeah. I also didn't know this was written by Billy Joel and I wasn't following him very closely. So I didn't know that this was his song. But after hearing that... I, I was in the New York, New Jersey area, and you have to follow Billy Joel. Yeah. It's, it's a mandate. Bon, yeah. bon Jovi and Billy Joel. But yeah, I can totally see Billy Joel's hand in this. It sounds to me like a Billy Joel song. A guy as big as Billy Joel was at that time to say, yeah, you have my blessing to do this song, must have just blew him away, I'm sure. And Trisha Yearwood has really good, strong vocals in the background. And I remember reading something where she was talking about, well, he kept, Garth kept prodding me and prodding me. But that they weren't strong... married yet. No. Not... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh... <laughs> but for that strong vocal towards the end where she like just belts it out. And mm. I just love all the grit and the voices and everything. It's just very rock for a country song. Yeah, it is. The chord progression is not traditional country. It's not even Garth Brooks. So you're absolutely right. It's definitely right. a Billy Joel song. Anyway, let's listen to the number nine song overall by Garth Brooks. Shameless off of Roping the Wind. You know now I'm not a man who 
he's ever been Insecure about the world I've been living in I don't break easy, I have my pride But if you need to be satisfied, I'm shameless Well, honey, I don't have a prayer Every time I see you standing there All right, that was Shameless off of Rope in the Wind, our number nine. So let's move to number eight. Troy, it's on his list. Jason, it's on your list. Gina, you missed this one. And it's on my list, and we have it at the same number again. Really? This is our number seven. This is Rodeo off of Rope in the Wind, <laughs> the number seven <laughs> song overall. I remember this live, and it was so big and powerful. The organ in the beginning and leads into the verse, which is really solid. But the great thing about it is it kind of has that mood feel mm. so that it, it's kind of a low and it starts building slightly up. And then when the chorus hits, it's this explosion. And I remember him doing it live and it's, yeah! You know how he does all that? Yeah! <laughs> and it, he's just killing it. I love the muted strum in the second verse. When he performed it live, it just felt like a rock show and it was it's not a rock song at all. And the down verse is perfect. Mm -hmm. dropping low, and then you just hammer that final chorus, but go ahead. Everything you say, I agreed. The, I love the Rhodes intro and the original recording, vocal phrasing, the way the instruments do, the hits in the chorus, guitar, organ, the vocal bending. Instrumentally, it's probably my favorite Garth Brooks song of all time, just from the way that the instruments build the song, just, just like how you described. It was one of those songs that I just, it was on my, my repeat playlist when I was a teenager. I dug into it and that's what made me curious about rodeo. I was like, this thing has to be cool if someone could write a song like this about a rodeo. It was originally written as Miss Rodeo and Garth actually tried to prompt as many female vocalists as he could to record the song and they all turned him down. I guess it was Trisha Yearwood who eventually convinced him to do it himself and it turned out to be a massive song. The songwriter for this is Larry Baskin. And when he heard that Garth was going to record the song, he's like, you can't record that song. It's for a woman. And Garth Brooks says, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing to see how he twisted it around. And he probably made it much better than the original way it was constructed. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what Miss Rodeo would have turned out to be. No, right? no. Um, <laughs> for me. I called it Miss Rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing the song and I had the lyrics wrong for the longest time. Oh, really? The misheard yeah. lyrics? Okay, what was the misheard lyrics? So it's boots and shafts, it's cowboy hats, it's spurs and let it go. I didn't know that it was Latigo. Latigo is a tool used in the rodeo. It's oh. an actual something that they use. I still don't know that it's not let it go. No, no, it's let it go. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I, that was a misheard lyric for me until this moment. <laughs> I probably think that's true too. That's, that's a hard one to know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know rodeo from Rodeo. <laughs> rodeo, I know it's a drive somewhere in California. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting actually. I did not know that. Uh, and let it go. I mean, I, I think that's how I did it. It's like, let it go, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, inspired a frozen song. I, I bought it. Like, it seemed like it made sense, right? right. You open the gate and you let it go. Exactly. You know? That's what I thought for years and years. And then one day I was like, is he actually saying let it go? And then when I looked up the lyrics, I was like, that is not let it go. Yeah. <laughs> let it go what yeah. is that? What's a let it go? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that's the actual rope that they tie around the hand when they're right in the, right uh, in the bowl? I believe so. That's that's awesome. Yeah. You know, one of the things I noticed about the song was the way that the instruments 
we're kind of doing a call and response with the lyrics and to coordinate a band to be that precise to have this off step with the lyrics takes a lot of work and it brings out this incredible production that it just draws you in and you're on for the ride basically you feel like you're bucking on the bronco the whole time so Okay, so here's your definition of latigo. The meaning of latigo is a long strap on a saddle tree of a western saddle to adjust the cinch. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's from Merriam-Webster. Perfect. So let's listen to our number eight song rodeo off of Rope in the Wind. So let's take a listen. Balls and blood, it's dust and mud, it's the roar of a Sunday crowd. It's wide and there's knuckles, the gold and the buckle, he'll win the next go Okay, that's number eight, <laughs> Rodeo. Give <laughs> <laughs> it on purpose. I gotcha. I gotcha. Rubbing they were just singing. <laughs> How can you not, though? I mean, seriously. Right. Yeah, that's number eight, Rodeo, off of Rope in the Wind. And let's stick with Rope in the Wind. How about that? With our number seven. This is not on Jason's list. Okay, this is on um, Troy's list. This is Troy's number six. Pretty high up. This is my number nine. And this is Gina's number two. Ooh. Ooh. Papa loved Mama. Actually, it happened in Castaic yesterday. It was kind of weird. How is that weird? It's Castaic. It's a truck town. <laughs> I know. You saw, there was, just so you know, there was uh, Papa loved Mama is a song about infidelity, the woman's cheating on the guy, and the guy's a trucker, and he runs into the hotel room where she's staying. He didn't hit the brakes, and he was shifting gears, right? right. And literally, there was a tractor trailer that went into a hotel in Castaic, California yesterday. So it was kind of interesting. But go ahead. I love this song. Again, just a great story. Papa comes home to the love of his life. He's been on the road as a trucker. He's got wine and flowers ready to woo his woman and come to find out she ain't home. Nope. (laughs) Um, Because Papa loved Mama and Mama loved men. That's right. That's right. Which is taken from a poem written by Carl Sandburg. Yep. But the whole poem is Papa loved Mama, Mama loved men. Mama's in the graveyard, Papa's in the pen. Yeah. I had no idea. Yes. That's great. That's the entire poem. Yeah, no, that, that's fantastic. He was actually inspired by a newspaper story of a semi-tractor crashing into a, a CD motel, mm-hmm. much like sick. <laughs> <laughs> this is me quoting Garth. I mean, it's buried, the roof down and everything. I don't know what the trucker either fell asleep or hit a piece of ice. I don't think it was planned like a murder or anything, but it gave us the ingredients to a song. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's another staple. Mm-hmm. This is a fantastic song. Nothing wrong with it at all. It's one of those jumbling things where I, I had 25, 30 songs that should have been top 12. And right. this one, this, yeah. And you had to make sure you put all the covers in. I, get I had to put all the covers in and, <laughs> and everything with piano. And then, but yeah, I remember listening to the song for the first time as a 16 year old, just like eyes bugging out going, oh my gosh, what, what just happened here? Um, you know, heard. Papa crying up and down the hall. And then I heard the bottle break against the bedroom wall. You know, just and that old diesel and yeah. eerie sound. This yeah. Papa fire it up and head it into town. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> There's so many memorable lines from that song that right. just, it just sticks in your head. So let's listen to Papa Loves Mama off of Rope in the Wind. Our third Rope in the Wind in the row, actually. Our number seven. Let's take a listen. When daddy hang up, she was gone again. 
Mama was a looker, Lord, out to shine. Papa was a good and but jealous guy. Papa loved mama, mama loved me. Okay, that was Papa Love Mama. <laughs> I tried to lure him in. I started singing along. Just at that point, I figured I'd get somebody to sing along. <laughs> All right, that was number seven, Papa Love Mama. As you heard Jason sing, Off of Rope in the Wind, our number seven. So let's move to number six, Off of Rope in the Wind. You're kidding. No, four in a row. Wow. And this is on my list. This is on... Jason's list. This is on Troy's list. This is Troy's number five. Jason's number five. You match Troy in this. Wow. And it's my number three. And Gina did not have the river on her list. You know what? It's another one that got bumped. It was meant to be on my list. I have notes for it, but it did not make the cut. No, it's okay. Everybody can be wrong. Wrong! (laughs) (laughs) No, anyway, I love the atmosphere in the beginning. The synth, the bells, the shaker, the guitar, and the the pedal steel or slide, whatever he's using at that point. I think it's pedal steel, though. Because when you're Garth Brooks, you don't have to have a slide player. You can just bring a pedal steel guy in because they're there for your enjoyment. Garth just brings you in, and this song never fails to inspire me. I'll never reach my destination if I never try. What we put off till tomorrow has now become today. Don't sit upon the shoreline and say you're satisfied. Choose to chance the rapids. Dare to dance the tide. It's so amazing. I always love when artists drop instruments from the mix, especially when it goes to that down verse where he cuts everything out but the vocals and drums. Yep. Just an amazing song, so I'll let you go with it. And this was all about the songwriting for me. So I had to place it high on the list just because of quality of the songwriting, the quality of the lyrics, the message that it was sending. Garth said he got more letters about the river than any other song. It was inspiring people. Each day a constant battle to stay between the shores. I mean, if you're raising young kids, we were talking about earlier, that's a line we all know. Get me through the day and not run aground. But I love the inspiration. And I totally agree with you on that down chorus where he drops out, instruments drop out and it's just vocals, drums. The harmony lines are married so perfectly. Country music does a lot of, when the vocal line changes, the harmony line changes also. So you have the same pitch changes, usually three to four steps apart. It It's inspiring. Anything? Oh, <laughs> like, why are you going to me? It wasn't on my list. <laughs> oh, no, okay. <laughs> you are prohibited from talking okay. about it. Well, it, it's interesting. Victoria Shaw wrote this with Garth Brooks. And when they first met, they met at the Opryland Hotel. You know, they became friends. They started talking about writing and Garth Brooks goes to her. I just pictured a song where can you just imagine as he was starting to play it, he goes, can't you imagine just a stadium full of people with their lighters? And she was thinking, this guy's just delusional. (laughs) Yeah, people don't do that in country music. (laughs) Right. But at one point during their writing session, they hit this roadblock where they couldn't come up with any words. So Garth goes, let's put some music on. They put on James Taylor's Never Die Young album. Hmm. And it helped them find inspiration. And Shaw said, when you listen to music, it takes you somewhere else in your head and it just frees your brain. All of a sudden, in the middle of a song, he goes, turn it off, turn it off, I got something. He literally picked up a guitar and went, you know a dream is like a river. And he just started playing it. And all the words just came to him. But the one word that gave them problems was the word vessel. Hmm. Because that's not used very often. And both the co-writer and the producer fought against it. But Garth was like, no, it's the right word, it's the right word. But they ended up keeping it, and it worked so phenomenally. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to imagine the song with I'll Sail My Boat. You know, my raft right. or you know, some other word. It's just like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, the concept of a vessel is all encompassing, right? To me, that adds just another layer in the song where it's not simply about, I'm, I'm not just getting through the rapids. I'm not just getting through the river, yeah. but I'm a vessel that's carrying something on the journey. 
Yeah. Anything else on the river? Going once, going twice. Okay, this is The River off of Rope in the Wind, our number six. I love it how he starts in the four, too. As yeah. opposed to, you know, a one, two, or a yeah. five, or something like that. Till the river runs dry Like a bird upon the wind These waters are my sky I'll never reach my destination If I never try So I will sail my vessel Till the river runs dry People should know how much fun we're having <laughs> singing along with the music, though. I mean... Maybe we could just we could just tell them at the end of the of the podcast. By the way, we sang with every song, you know. <laughs> no, I'm playing it. <laughs> never reach my destination if I never try. Okay, that was the river. <laughs> Got him again. This is number six, the river off a rope in the wind. Really awesome song. Can't believe Gina screwed that one up. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sure there's other songs that I missed. Inconceivable. Oh, this one Gina missed too. Our number five. Ooh. No. This is Troy's number four. This is my number five. And this is Jason's number three. Wow. Unanswered prayers off of No Fences. Okay. So one of the staples, but Jason, this is your highest. It's in your top three. So you lead it off, my friend. And, and you're right. It is one of the staples. Love the message, the song, the story, being humbled by divine intervention of God to remain silent when he knows that he's got something better in store. You know, hit the number one on uh, the Billboard country charts. And I understand that it was actually written based off of an encounter that Garth actually had with a previous love interest. And I believe it was his first wife that he was with at the time, right? Yeah. Yes. Sandy. Yeah. So that was the inspiration for the song. But um, it wasn't at a football game, though. It was at a craft fair bazaar, but he didn't want to put that in the song. <laughs> <laughs> that was be difficult to sell. <laughs> so. No, it's just beautiful message, beautiful song, and it had to be high up there. It's such a gripping emotional song. The chorus resonates. It's true for whatever prayers you make in life that sometimes his greatest gift is not giving you what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. I get goosebumps whenever I see him in concert. No matter how many people are in the stadium, when Unanswered Prayers comes on, everybody sings a song. And the power of everybody singing a song at the top of their lungs mm -hmm. together. It's just so amazing. And this is one that always did that. Garth said, every time I sing a song, it teaches me the same lesson. Happiness isn't about getting what you want. It's about wanting what you have. Mm. Beautiful. They actually made a Lifetime movie about the song. Really? Called Unanswered Prayers. Hmm. And the guy was okay. bad in it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that for sure, but I think it's a safe bet. This one missed the mark for me only because I don't agree with prayers being unanswered. I, I believe every prayer is answered. It's just answered no. And so I, that wouldn't make good for a good song, but it would be tough to but put I into, believe, yeah. Right. Yeah. But for me personally, I believe that you ask God for whatever, your answer is either yes, no, or you got to wait. And I think you never hear a no. Exactly. Don't hear anything, and mm -hmm. it's, it is unanswered to a certain point because it's, it feels unanswered. Yeah, it feels yeah. unanswered to you. And I think at the end of the day, I definitely am not going to put my head in the mind of God, right? right. You know what I mean? And He's answering me, he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's just saying, 
Or I've got something better for really? you. Really? I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go talk to uh, Jason over here. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, Rob. I'm done with you. <laughs> you really asked you for that, really? Yeah. What well, was interesting, though, is that I think people who may not have the strong, regular connection with God in their lives, people have talked about how at some point everyone prays for something, right? And so the people that that may not have that close relationship with God may look at that situation and go, oh, my prayer went unanswered. Therefore, what really are you in life? I think there's a lot of folks that could relate to this, but in terms of the unanswered prayer part, but actually that message of that's the greatest gift, that might be the new thing for folks in that space. Right. Unanswered Prayers, one of the iconic songs by Garth Brooks, our number five. And let's take a lesson off of No Fences, that little tiny album called No Fences. When you're talking to the man upstairs, and just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Because some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Okay, that was Unanswered Prayers, our number five. We're getting up there. We're moving right along. We're getting to the top of this list. And we only have four songs to go. What could they be? I don't know. Unanswered Prayers is number five. That's all I know. That's true. Oh, I know number four. And it's somebody's number one. Ooh, but we're getting to the top. This I think everybody... Oh, no. Troy didn't actually have this on his list. Troy. You got some splaining to do. Yeah, he was the only one who didn't have this next one off of in pieces on our list. This was your eight, Jason. This is my eight as well. As I alluded to, this is Gina's number one. Ain't going down till the sun comes up off of in pieces. So Gina, our number four, take the lead. This is my number one because there is just so much packed into this one song. The story, the vocals, the music, everything just comes crashing at you. The number of words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. The way that Garth talks about as they were writing it, and it just came out, the cadence of get your redhead back in bed before morning, it just wrote itself. And one of the songwriters, Kent Blazy, said, I got this little drum machine going, and Kim and Garth were standing behind me, and I heard one of them say, oh my God. I turned around and there were termites, which isn't good when you have a letter that says there's no termites in your home. Kim Williams, who had a great sense of humor, said, man, when Garth and I wrote Papa Loved Mama, there were cockroaches all over my apartment and it was a number one song. So this is going to be two. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but I love the guitar, the harmonica. In researching it, the guitarist had already done all the work. And so when they brought in the guy, as they always do, yes, (laughs) Um, when they brought in the harmonica, he ended up having to redo all of his guitar stuff because the harmonica was really good. He's like, oh, I got to change that. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to be overshadowed by a freaking somebody blowing out a piece. of (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, it was more competing. I thought that was really, really cool. I just love the storytelling of this song. So that's why it's my number one. Jason, I agree with everything you just said. The trading solos at the end on the outro between the harmonica and the guitar is one of the things that really got it for me. And I love it when instruments talk to each other in a song. They're going back and forth and just trading space. 
Garth said that he wanted to write something that was just plain fun. Just sit on the back porch, right? Let's just write something fun. And a number of the songs we've had on our list here, which have these powerful messages and they're really impactful and they kind of leave you emotionally like, oh, wow, that was an amazing experience. Then you jump into this. Well, let's just have some fun. Yeah. Right, yeah. 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 And uh, you mentioned the lyrics, Rob. I mean, the, the, the fact that you're able to put that many lyrics together and keep your cadence and pr- actually pronounce every single word. Yes. That uh, was phenomenal. The other thing I thought was interesting, too, is I counted only four actual notes in the verse that the vocal sings. I think he only, only sing a, a total of four notes. Well, he can't because no. he can't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I can say all these words or I can do an incredible note scale, but I can't do both. Yeah, I mean, literally, it's, that's why nobody ever covers this song. <laughs> yeah, great tune. Our number four ain't going down till the sun comes up off of end pieces. An amazing tune. Not quite in our top three, but just on the outskirts. Let's take a listen. There's number four ink going down till the sun comes up off of end pieces. Great tune. And great voices. Thanks. <laughs> we we practiced. <laughs> all right. Now, this next one's painful for me. We'll move to the top three. And obviously, all the top three songs are going to be good, and it's probably going to be on everybody's list. Probably, but not this one. <laughs> he says as he scowls. <laughs> oh, this is Gina's number four. It's on Gina's list. All right. I was not scowling at Gina. I was scowling at you. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't! Uh, you put a cover on your song. You didn't put this song on your list. That's fine. <laughs> this is Troy's number one. So why aren't you scaling a Troy? And this is my number one. And this is Gina's uh, number four. And this is You're Not on the List. The Dance of uh-huh. Garth Brooks' album. His most iconic song of all time, I think. The way it comes in that piano in the beginning, which is why I thought you would have it on there. But the origins of the piano part are pretty cool. It all started with a trip to the movies, and Garth went. He saw this B-movie that nobody really ever knew, and his manager had seen it too. And he said, do you remember that scene in the movie where the horses ran, and they had this piano playing under it? I'd love it if you could do something like that for the beginning of this song. He just sat down and rolled tape, and that intro to the dance, he did on the spot. That's amazing. And it's just that inspiration it's like oh my god and the guy who wrote this is tony aretta and he tells a story about how he was playing the song at the bluebird cafe and this unknown songwriter comes up to him called garth brooks told him he goes if i ever get a record deal i really want to cut the dance and he was like yeah okay <laughs> but he was counting the money from being at the right place at the right time i guess so fast forward a little while and garth actually gets signed and he contacts him for the song And he gets the ability to record the song. And then Garth thinks, well, maybe this isn't country enough. And maybe I shouldn't record it. And then Alan Reynolds, his producer, said, quote, if you don't cut the song, it'll be the biggest hit you never had. Mm -hmm. Wow. How prophetic. If you think of anybody who's you've lost in life or a relationship lost even while listening to this tune, Mm -hmm. you can't help but get emotional. The strings are amazing and they bring you up and down with the emotion in the song. I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance. And it's so heavy, it's so strong. But Gina, I'll let you take over because it's high on your list too. 
Yeah, I just, this is such a beautiful song. That intro, the piano intro is just beautiful. And the video for this song is just really poignant. It's like a montage of people who died doing what they loved. So it just lends more to the lyrics and the meaning of the song that if we knew the pain we'd have to go through to get to where we are, we might never take that first step and miss all the amazing things in life. Like if I knew that I was going to get divorced, I probably wouldn't have married the guy, but then I wouldn't have my beautiful daughter. Things like that. And then one of the writers' inspiration came from the movie Peggy Sue Got Married with Kathleen Turner and Nicolas Cage, which I did see that movie a long time ago. So, (laughs) but I remember like there was even Jim Carrey was in that long, long time ago. Hmm. But yeah, he was one of the backup singers. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's where that line came from, right? (laughs) Yeah, he performed this song on the last airing of Jay Leno's Tonight Show. Back in 2014, and it was just beautiful. Like, Jay Leno was tearing up. It was just beautiful. And Wasn't Peggy Sue got married? Let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> Peggy Sue, tell me. This is before this is he got fire. This is dangerous. <laughs> this is before he got into that character st- acting stuff. <laughs> he changed cable boxes in that movie, right? I'm like <laughs> oh, sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> Jason, anything? I love the song in and of itself. Beautiful song. You said the piano. The problem that I had was the same problem you had with one of our earlier songs is that I did not connect with the message. When I first heard the song, I was about 16 or 17, and there were some very painful things that had happened in my life at that time. And I was really of the opposite mental attitude, which was pain avoidance. Like I had been tapped out. And so I looked at the message of the song and just went, I just can't connect with it. Like I was just not in that space. Um, so for me, I mean, the song is beautiful and it absolutely deserves to be right where it is. And I'm glad all you all see the light, you know, and did the right thing. But I just could not really grasp that message and internalize it. So at 16 years old, you don't have that. I've come out of that. Correct. Into something right. new. And I think you right. listening to it today is probably a little bit more powerful. than. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's listen to number three song overall by Garth Brooks, The Dance. Let's listen. The way it all would go. Okay, that was the dance, our number three song overall, which means there's only two left. What could they be? I think we have two choices, and I think both are right, but maybe not in the right order at this point. (laughs) I don't know why I haven't driven there, but I went there, and that's the way I went. I can't help it. All right. Let's go to number two. This is on everybody's list. This is Troy's number three. This is Jason's number four. This is my number four. And this is Gina's number three. Off of No Fences, The Thunder Rolls. Yes. Gina, you have a highest, so why don't you lead us off? Love this song. Love the video. And especially love the extra verse in the song that's on the double live version. <laughs> right, because you like killing God. <laughs> <laughs> we call her Black Widow. <laughs> go, go ahead. Well, here's the thing. The video alludes to the third verse by including the theme of domestic violence. Both TNN and CMT banned the video with a representative from CMT commentating that the network was 
quote, in business to entertain, not to promote or condone gratuitous violence or social issues. But it was the best thing ever for him. This is like one of those yeah. times where you have bad publicity and it's not bad publicity exactly. at all. Exactly. Right. Everybody started talking about it, like regular news channels. And you know who picked it up was VH1. VH1, yeah. Which is a much bigger station than CMT and TNN. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's one of these explosion moments for him. When people suffering from domestic violence started speaking up in defense of the song. Yeah, Shelter's thanking him for, like, bringing light to the situation. And then um, in 1991, it was awarded CMA Video of the Year Award. Also, something that I learned was that this was meant to be recorded by Tanya Tucker, but it never made it on her album. So when he started getting big, he asked for the song back. And she gave it back to him. And she was the reason there was a third verse. When they initially brought the music to Tanya Tucker, it only had two verses. And the producer's like, no, 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 I need a third verse where there's a conclusion. I don't know how this ends. Hmm. Right. And so they wanted the third verse, and then Tanya didn't really use it. So it wasn't (laughs) that she didn't want to, it was just Garth asked for it back. Right. A State of Mind featuring No Resolve covered this song a year ago with a more rock version. And it is just banging. You guys have to listen to it at some point. Okay, well, let's just do that now. Wow. Wow. Good stuff. I love a good rock cover. And these guys really delivered. And I first heard it on TikTok. So (laughs) great song. The sound of the thunder in the background of the song is just gives you chills. And in concert, too, it's amazing. They they get the whole lighting synced up with the sound Mm -hmm. feeling of like the lightning flashing over here and then there. Mm -hmm. It's just a brilliant display. It was fantastic. But let's not sleep on the musicality of the song. The arpeggiation and the acoustic, Mm -hmm. really good. Vocals are amazing. I love the affected pedal steel that builds drama in the song. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Love the pre-chorus ending with the thunder rolls and the thunder rolls before actually getting to the chorus. Yeah. So big chords, guitar, drum stops, and fills really lift that chorus up. It was based on a song that Pat Alger had written where there's a line about thunder rolling in the song. And Garth, who was just a songwriter... Have been listening. He came in and said, what if we could write a song based on that lyric about somebody who's cheating on his wife, and every time he does it, the thunder rolls. Right. It's fun to see what those two can produce writing together. I have to admit, I did not get the whole domestic violence thing just listening to have you the seen album the video? track. I have not seen the video. Oh, you need to watch the video. And Gina, do you know the video? You know the guy who's playing the husband? It's Garth. It's Garth. It doesn't yeah. look like him at all. It looks Looks like Chris Gaines. <laughs> it doesn't look like Chris Gaines. It looks like, you remember Die Hard? You know mm-hmm. who it reminded me of? That smarmy little uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Wall Street guy who's like, tell you what, Bubby. The one that's like trying to hit on the yeah, wife. Yeah, trying to hit on the wife doing yeah. coke on her desk. <laughs> that guy is who I thought it was. That's who it looked like to me. But it's all Garth and all his prosthetics right. and everything. And, and uh, initially, I think they didn't want him to play that role in the video. But he was like, I don't want some other poor schmuck to end up with that on, on his resume being that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's listen to Thunder Rolls off of No Fences. Our number two. And the lightning strikes. Another love rolls cold. On the sleepless night. Goes on out of control. Deep 
Okay, let me uh, just play this for a minute because we talked about it before and I think this is one of those times we need to play a separate part. We'll go to the double live version so we can hear the third verse. six shots so yeah. she empties the revolver yep. <laughs> no no it's just it's just the beat it just happens to be the beat it's the thunder that's oh the thunder. thunder okay yeah, that's just very, thunder. very rapid thunder. Thunder. thunder i don't know where your mind's at it's, jason's a little bit psychotic people. i apologize <laughs> no. always great like garth has a couple songs like that that have a little more to it when you see him live anyway speaking of a song that has that we'll move to our number one which is shocking for everybody this is my number two, Gina's number six, Troy's number two, and Jason's number one. Friends in low places, often no fences. So Jason's your number one song. So why don't you lead us off, my friend? Well, it was one of his biggest songs of all time. Probably the, one of the most popular songs when he plays live. Four um, notes, and you know this song. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, most recognizable. Kind of the origins was Earl Bud Lee, which was one of the writers, was at a restaurant. I guess they had an issue paying for the check or something. And he tells the waiter, hey, don't worry about it. I've got friends in low places. I know the cook. And that whole concept of the, the lyric, it's that duality we were talking about earlier. Usually you kind of are happy that you have friends in high places. But right. in this case, now it's like, no, no, I got friends you know, down at the bottom and we're going to take care of this. There's an incredibly wide vocal range in this song. It actually goes from an E2 to an F sharp four. A ton of vocal notes in between that he's got to hit. Obviously, we're going to end up talking about the famous or infamous third verse that only appears in live performances. But this song charted in Canada, UK, Ireland, Scotland, Europe. Interesting enough, Mark Chestnut also recorded the song. And I listened to it for a few seconds and then turned it off. Right, because it's you can't. This is like one of those songs that I don't know if anybody should cover it. Probably not. I don't mind if a bar band plays it. Really, all you have to do is play those four notes real quick. Sing a cappella, have the crowd carry it, and everybody will sing along with it. You don't have to play mm-hmm. a note right. from there on. Yeah. Everybody knows the opening to this song, that arpeggio, as you're going in, every as soon as he begins playing it, you just hear the crowd going wild if you're in concert. You know, he knows, and he milks that like, uh, for yeah. all it's worth yeah. in a concert he's just like yeah let's go everybody knows this and let's all sing along because we're all friends in low places here <laughs> speaking of the live show i think this is a good time to discuss the infamous hidden third verse which garth only plays live now when he plays it live anyway the audience just sings it so if you're going to a garth brooks show you should know this verse garth said one day he was driving around and the song came on the radio and he listened to it and he goes Garth, as Garth likes talking to himself, <laughs> a third person, okay. Garth, would you handle that situation that way? And I said, no, I don't think I would. And I went home and I wrote a third verse. Well, I guess I was wrong. And I won't sing it. I'll just talk it. I just don't belong. But then I've been there before. Everything's all right. I just take a night and show myself to the door. We've heard that before. That's part of the second verse. I didn't mean to cause a big scene. And here's where it does the delta. But wait till I finish this glass. And sweet little lady, I'll head back to the bar and you can kiss my ass. And that's what he said that he thought that Garth would do. Yeah. yeah. that Amazing tune. Everybody knows it. I don't care if you know one country song in your life. It's probably this one. Yep. 
Friends in Low Places off of No Fences, the best song ever by Garth Brooks. Let's listen. I'll be as high as that ivory tower. Okay, that's our number one for friends in low places. We're singing along. Everybody's enjoying life here. With Garth Brooks, this has been a good list so far. But now it's the time of the show where we look back at the songs that we had on our list that didn't make the cut at all. Let's just go to the songs that missed the cut for each of us. I'll just lead it off. Because usually I let other people do it. I'm going to start today. Okay, my number 10 was Standing Outside the Fire off of In Pieces. And it was also Jason's number 10. And the song that I'm going to talk about is my number 12, To Make You Feel My Love, off of Fresh Horses, which mm. is, is a cover song. Mm-hmm. Great piano and organ in the intro. The Jesus perspective on the song, once understood, is hard to hear another way. This is a Bob Dylan song right. that he wrote from the perspective of Jesus Christ. Mm. And a lot of times you don't realize that when you listen. I didn't realize that, yeah. Yeah, Because it also sounds like a relationship when you start talking about it. Billy Joel actually released this before Dylan actually released this Mm -hmm. uh, when they came out. A lot of people did this cover. But this one was so deep and so great. I had included, I really felt it higher as my favorite in there. But at 12, I felt it was a cover. I have to keep it low. So uh, to make you feel my love over Fresh Horses. It's my number 12, and let's take a listen. I'd go hungry, I'd go blind. I'd go crawling down the aisle. There ain't nothing that I wouldn't do to make you feel my love. Okay, that's my Mr. Cut. Let's go to uh, Jason. Jason, you had Somewhere Other Than the Night, your number nine, off of The Chase. Once again, number 10, Standing Out Outside the Fire, off of In Pieces, which I just talked about. Number 11, Dixie Chicken. And number 12, Two Pina Coladas. What would you like to talk about? So I'm going to talk about just a personal favorite, which is going to be Dixie Chicken. Just an absolute fun, syncopated slow staggered swing i love the musical hesitations where you just you can tell the musicians are really they're holding back it's tempting to race in that type of a song you really have to work hard to stay in that groovy swing tempo i remember when i first heard it i'm again with the storytelling right i'm listening going where are we going with this where are we going with this i know there's some sort of twist here Um, and then that final line of the last verse and all the boys down at the bar began to sing along to me, it was like this mystery that was going on yeah. and trying to figure out what really happened. Who was this person that he was, you know, this character is involved in. So just a really fun song, great musicianship and great writing and kind of a almost a suspense thriller to bring it to the end. And you know who wrote that, right? Little Feet. That was a Little Feet song in 1978. Oh, OK. This is a cover. Fantastic. And I loved it, too. And actually, I have one question. Shouldn't the song be named Chicken now? Seeing what the Dixie Chicks did? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's listen to Jason's Just Missed the Cut, Dixie Chicken. All 
right. That was Dixie Chicken. Jason's missed the cut. And Troy's going to go last. In the Gina, you missed your number five, The Change, off of Fresh Horses. Number eight, Colin Baton Rouge, off of In Pieces. Number nine, The Beaches of Cheyenne, a song I love a lot, off of Fresh Horses. And number 12, Not Counting You, off of the Garth Brooks album, which we'd like to talk about. I feel like I have to talk about my number five, The Change. This is one of those songs, again, it's another one of his really strong ballads. And something about the message just really resonates with me. The whole concept of the song is do the right thing, be a good person, be kind no matter what. Like Even if you're not going to change the world, it still is important to be that person. And so some of the lyrics in this song just really stick out for me like he's saving one person and then people around saying well what good have you done by saving just this one maybe you saved their life Mm -hmm. and what can they do moving forward there's not a whole lot of instruments to this song his voice carries this song from beginning to end i like how he marries it with the world too trying to figure out how to be good in a world that wants you not to be and how to stand your ground Mm. right and I think this it's just a timeless message that back in the 90s, a lot of stuff was going on. Today, there's a lot of stuff going on that you do your best to be a good person and do the right thing. You may not change the whole world, but at least you're doing what you can. Sometimes it feels like when you're trying to do the best you can, it's like, what's the point? Because mm-hmm. everything around you just keeps falling apart. You know, in our society today, it's it's tough. That's why I'm quadruple vexed. <laughs> <laughs> what a great song. And I also love the lyric. It's like trying to stop a fire with the moisture from a kiss. Mm. Let's listen to Gina's Miss the Cut, The Change Off of Fresh Horses, back in 1995. Let's listen. That was Gina's Miss the Cut. Now we're going to talk about Troy's. What did Troy have that missed the cut? His number eight was Learning to Live Again off of The Chase. His number nine was Two of a Kind Working on a Full House. Great tune. That almost made it for me, too. Yeah, that's like, yeah. that was so close. And his number 11 was All American Kid off of Man Against the Machine, which I thought was interesting until I really sat down and listened to it. It's really an emotional story, and it's about somebody choosing, having all these options in life, being this all-American football player or whatever, deciding to go in the Army and having to go overseas and Mm -hmm. fight. Through that whole story, you're sort of waiting for him not to come home. They talk about how it's dedicated, even though he did come home, it's dedicated to everybody who didn't come home. And it's such a deep song. I don't know if you have anything to add. Yeah, the first verse is sitting there talking about the the young guy in his football game and he's at the one yard line and he's got to get his team across to the finish line and the touchdown. And there's this lyric that talks about him with like six guys hanging on. He's running the ball in himself. And so he's painting this picture of this guy who's just, he's going to run through a wall crowd cheers. The whole town, you know, is excited. And like you said, he's got all these options and he chooses to go serve. Right. And then you, there's the chorus again where the crowd cheers and, and then 
Garth starts bringing in these comments, right? You go, you know, the, the silver star for his family and, and all that. And you start to panic. At least I started to panic a little bit. I mean, the, the silver star was a good indication. It wasn't, it wasn't gold. So that was like, okay, things are going to be okay. Then so then he comes back and he gets the hero's welcome and crowd cheers. And, and then at the very end, it's that line that says, and this is dedicated to all of those that didn't, yeah, didn't, didn't make, make it home. And he performed this at the ACM Awards in 2015. But he was introduced by Tanya Kyle, who's Chris Kyle, you know, the American sniper fame. Right. Oh, is that but his the, wife? Yeah. His wife, yeah. He, there was a number of U.S. servicemen and service women in the audience when he sang it. And it was a powerful moment that year. And let's listen to Troy's song that missed the cut, All-American Kid, off of Man Against the Machine. No, it's a, it's dedicated to the folks that didn't come home until the very end of the song, too. That's the right. last line of the song. Like you're expecting him to die in the song. I was. I was petrified. I'm listening to the song, and I'm, like, freaking out, going, don't do this to me, because, you know, there's, like, there's certain songs like that that I could, like, I can't get through all sometimes. Yeah. And then he brings him back, and I'm like, okay, that's good, you know? And then at the very end, he throws in that tagline, this is dedicated to all the ones that didn't get the heroes welcome home. And I'm just like, wow. Let's just be kind and rewind. Okay, this is to remind you what our 30 dozen was. <laughs> All right, number 12, what she's doing now. Number 11, if tomorrow never comes. Number 10, much too young to feel this damn old. Number nine, shameless. Number eight, rodeo. Number seven, Papa loved mama. Number six, The River. Number five, Unanswered Prayers. Number four, Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up. Number three, The Dance. Number two, The Thunder Rolls. And number one, Friends in Low Places. This is a lot of fun. Thank you so much for doing this. Jeannie, have a good time? I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Okay, good. And we had some, uh, she was awesome and brought some pina coladas. We had one for each hand, so that was good. Well, we didn't, but yeah, was, well, we, we, we had one. We had one, yeah. We had one, and we had the, the, long, the neck long neck bottle, bottle. and the other one. So, Jason, yeah, yeah no, it, was, it was awesome, Rob. Thanks for having us. And uh, this this list that we end up coming up with, I mean, that, that could easily be a top 12 for any any one of us because Garth had so much to work with, so much good material. No dispute about any of those rankings. It's, it turned out to be a great list. Yeah, Same. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, everybody who's listening to us at this point. I truly appreciate all of you. I'm excited because I know what's coming up down the line. I am excited to bring you some new stuff. I am excited because I know some of the stories that we're going to have coming up are going to be pretty uh, unique. We have some people who are connected with some of the bands that we're going to discuss in the future. But in two weeks, we're going to be talking about a complete change of pace from Garth Brooks and Weezer, for that matter. We're going with Black Sabbath, which, which should be pretty interesting. We have Ralph and Jake are going to be joining us on that in two weeks. So a great couple of weeks before I speak again and God bless. I'll see you soon. Bye now. <laughs>